0: sound of hockey bonus episode i guess we can call this one episode 154.5 if you must put a number on it this is Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Not joined as always by Andy Ied or John Barr, but we will hear from them very shortly. Uh, we decided to do a bonus episode this week because we have this interview with Joey Decord, nutminder for the Seattle Kraken, that I think you are going to absolutely love. Uh, it is truly one of my favorite interviews that we've done in the three years that we've been doing this podcast. We just went past the three year mark, which is pretty funny because literally it's been three years of talking about an NHL team that. That still does not exist even to this day so uh, but the good news is it's right around the corner uh, and we have some awesome content coming so there will be another regularly scheduled podcast I guess you could call it a little bit later in the week with some of our more typical content but for now sit back relax and enjoy this wonderful very fun interview with Joey Decord We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey, a 25-year-old netminder for the Seattle Kraken. He played three years at Arizona State University and was the first player from that school to play in the NHL. He has also played professionally for the ECHL's Brampton Beast and the AHL's Belleville Senators. uh, And he got his first NHL win this past season with the Ottawa Senators before being selected in the expansion draft. Thank you so much for joining us. Joey Decord, welcome to the show.
1: What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me.
0: We are thrilled to be chatting with you. So, uh, Joey, we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording. Uh, I didn't share with you that I am actually a beer league goalie, so I'm going to have a lot of pretty specific questions for you. Um, (laughs) We're going to work through your equipment. We're going to try to help out my uh like mental psyche during beer league because i've had a lot of slumps lately I'm hoping help <laughs> out with that kind of stuff but we'll, st- we'll talk about you first uh so you gained a little bit of a few fans i think this past year when you did have that first career win over the toronto maple leafs i know you weren't supposed to start that night but uh what uh what do you remember from that game how did that all shake out for you how'd you end up getting in that game and getting your first nhl win
1: that first night was uh was pretty special uh, for a lot of reasons and uh, I, th- I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, I wasn't supposed to play and pretty crazy night I, halfway through warmups Murray got off the ice, and I knew I was playing. So that was pretty unique. Yeah, nothing like that's ever happened before. I can't remember ever having to start last minute, let alone literally during warm-ups, um, changing kind of the plan. So pretty crazy night. But then obviously to you know be at home and, and beat the Maple Leafs, who are one of the most powerful teams in the league, was, was pretty cool. And yeah, just a special moment, especially. It took me a few games to get there. So to get the monkey off the back felt pretty good, uh, that's for sure.
0: And you did kind of go viral with your interview after the game with Kyle Bukasios, who... I thought Kyle really handled that incredibly well, too, looking back on it, that uh, he kind of let you run a little bit and, and share your piece of it. But, you know, he did pry just a little bit to to get you to continue talking about um, everything that, that that moment meant for you. Were you expecting to go viral like that? What kind of an outreach did you get after that? You know, I mean, it had to have been a pretty cool response from the fan base.
1: I think it was pretty funny, honestly, because like you say, I went viral after the game and whatever. But uh, to me, I like went more vi- viral for the interview as opposed to the fact that I beat the Leafs. <laughs> (laughs) 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 i think i think people were more like for some reason i don't know what it was people liked the interview more than more than they they even knew that you know I, i won a game it was it was pretty funny but you know it was a special interview looking back on it i I think I kind of blacked out during that interview, honestly. like Just just because at the time, like, it hadn't really sunk in yet. Like, your emotions are going a million miles an hour. Like, you're feeling everything. Like, you're feeling so, like, happy and relieved and ecstatic and whatever. And then you're also thinking about, like, your family and all your friends and, like, everything, all the ups and downs, like, everything that kind of led up to that point. So kind of just – I mean, he was, like, the first person I really, like, had a second to, like, sit down and talk to after the game. And uh, just to be able to – Kind of be there and have him just kind of get my he the moment reaction. I just kind of let it all out, and that was I was that's what I was feeling at the time. I I watched the interview like the next day, and I, I came. my said some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I didn't you know I, I didn't mind because I'm a pretty candid guy I like to think like I'm gonna give you my honest opinion you know I'm not afraid to be myself so yeah it was a uh, yeah it's pretty pretty uh, special moment there as well just to look back at that now I feel like I look so young in that in that video <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so long ago, yeah, so long ago. Yeah. yeah honestly though it's I think it's the candid nature of the interview that made people love it so much right because there's there's so much in hockey where people will sound almost robotic at times right you know we're just chip pucks in get pucks deep whatever and you came and you gave a real honest response to what you're feeling in that moment and it was it was authentic and it was something that you just don't see very often and i think that's why you why you gain fans i mean we i think we even played the audio on our podcast so it definitely made the rounds in the in the yeah so keep it going
2: at least for the next 30 minutes (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: exactly yeah 20 ah, now you're gonna <laughs> now, now you're gonna turn into the like all the cliches, just moving out yeah. for the rest of this yeah. interview. Right? <laughs> Let's circle back a little bit to your uh, your ASU days. So, first two years, uh, at least from you know looking at the stats, right? It, w- it looks like it was a little bit of a bumpy road, but then the third year, you had this incredible run. Ended with you a Hobie Baker finalist, a Mike Richter finalist. What clicked for you in that third season at ASU?
1: I think it clicked for all of us, to be quite honest. I think um, my first year, I think my first year was tough. Uh, my freshman year from a hockey standpoint, but just like a life standpoint, it was a big deal. Like I, I played a year in Michigan, but Michigan was a lot like Massachusetts and where I'd been comfortable. So it wasn't that big of a adjustment going to Arizona was like a total like culture shock. (laughs) I felt completely, just completely different. And um, everything was unique to me and new. And I didn't know one person when I went out there. Like I didn't know anybody, not a friend outside of hockey. I showed up on campus, I met all the guys. And I think that, that made it very challenging, honestly. And, and it took me like a full year to really kind of get settled. But our team, like we we grew a lot each year. Like it, like it was like a segmented and like step-by-step growth. I think we honestly did like a three-year like growth in five to 10. We elevated that fast. So my first year was rough. You know, we didn't win a lot, but we had a few silver linings. Um, My second year, we got a lot better, but the results just weren't there. And I think we still ended, you know, bottom 10 or 15 teams in the country, but we felt like we had improved a lot. I felt like even though my numbers weren't that great, I personally felt like I had a really good season that year. So I think I came into the next year knowing, hey, like now it's time to put uh, put the foot all the way down to the floor and like, really kind of take this over and myself and we had a couple other really good players on that team Brinson Pashnak plays in the San Jose system now and uh, Johnny Walker who's actually going back for a fifth year the three of us kind of ran the team there and really found our stride and and played really well and and that junior year was like a Cinderella run I remember we started off well Uh, I think we we shut out uh, Alaska both games, first two weekends of first two games of the year, first weekend. So I actually ended the first uh, first weekend of the year with uh, zero goals against and one assist. So that felt pretty good. <laughs> um,
0: How'd the assist? Yeah, happen? Was it clean? Was like a... yeah. So they dumped
1: the puck in. I went to the corner, turned around, threw a breakaway pass to Johnny at the far blue line, split the D, and then he went backhand shelf. See,
0: so, you know, that's that pretty is... legit. I think the only assists <laughs> I've ever had in my career, are like. You know, I made a save with my face and it happened to bounce to a guy who passes up to the next guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually I this is totally off topic, but I played one year of uh, youth football and I was the smallest kid in the league and shoved down in the backfield and the quarterback tripped over me. And I got that was how I got my only sack. <laughs> um, those are the kinds of stats that I, I put up in my career. But Back to you. <laughs> so <laughs> So you joined ASU though in, you know, in their second year of existence, right? Am I correct on that? Yeah. So
1: the year before me, they played okay. one year and it was a hybrid season. So they played about 12 division one games and they played some club games, some D3 games, whatever. But my year was the first year where it was full division one.
0: so there's got to be some parallels then to joining an expansion franchise. Am I right? Oh, there's
1: tons of parallels. It's very similar. You think about, I think the biggest thing is developing the culture, right? Is you need the right people the right staff the right coaching staff the right management the right down to the chef or the guy who cleans whatever like it's 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 a culture it's building a culture and i think that's something that i've been through and i've seen the progression of like i know it's not easy i think when you look at a team like vegas they were able to expedite that process i think what they did was incredibly challenging and not to say that I don't think that Seattle can't do the same thing. I think we're definitely capable of it. It's just very hard and they, they clearly did it right. And that's something that, that we got to kind of take their lead there and and, and go down the same road. And um, I think that's something that Seattle's done incredibly well. Like I got into town about two weeks ago now and everyone's unbelievable. Like all the guys I've met are super nice. The staff's unbelievable. So I think everyone that's here, I mean, I think everyone, almost everyone's here now. Um, everyone's just really excited for a training camp to start and to start playing games, uh, you know, in the city in front of these fans and and give people what they want, which is which is the hockey. So everyone seems really excited
3: about it. You mentioned your first year in Arizona and the culture shock and you grew up in the Boston area, which I would imagine is quite different than (laughs) Tempe, Arizona. How did you end up in Arizona? You don't often see a Boston guy leave that area to go play college. For
1: sure. Yeah, I think it was unique for me um, to end up out there because I was such like a like a hockey, you know, college hockey in New England type of guy. Like, I had no interest in going up in Canada and playing major junior.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like, I got drafted to the Quebec League, but that's not something that I really ever wanted to do. I, I kind of, for me, I always wanted to go to Boston College, Boston University, um, the big schools in New England area that I grew up going to as a kid. Honestly, I, I didn't have much kicking around my senior year of college in terms of or my senior year of high school in terms of college, you know, interest and coach powers from ASU called me and said, Hey, why don't you come down and take a visit? And, um, him and I got, him and I got along really well and kind of generated the, that relationship and offered me a full scholarship. And I think a week or two later, I was a Sun Devil. So it's, it happens that quick.
3: Have you ever played hockey in the winter where it's like 80 degrees out before that? No, no I never <laughs> That's part tell of that culture what, shock. It's it's great. Yeah. It is. I'll never complain I, about that. I, I've got a
2: theory going on, and Darren went to Wisconsin, um, and I'm kind of I've lived my entire life on the West Coast, but I'm convinced that ASU wins a national title before Wisconsin does. But so, and we haven't really established what the stakes are, but we probably need to do that soon. So,
3: well, I hope ASU wins one soon. Um, we we had your new goalie coach Andrew Allen on the show about a year ago, and he was telling us a lot about how the importance of the minor leagues can be the ECHL and the AHL and development. And you've played a little bit in both those leagues. Uh, what What did that, Mean to you as far as your game, the development of your game playing in the ECHL and the and the other league.
1: Well, it's just learning how to be a pro. Honestly, I think that's the biggest thing is just learning how to be professional at all times. You know, when you're in the NHL, you have every resource at your disposal. You have unlimited amounts of people. You know, anything you could need is taken care of. When you're at the minor league level, you are relied upon to have a ton of self discipline and self motivation to kind of do that stuff all on your own and take care of what you need. To to, to be successful on your own and learn how to be a big boy honestly that's <laughs> learn how to be an adult and, and be and, and mature and I think that's very important as a young player to go through that process and figure out how to do it on your own so that when you come up to the NHL you're prepared you're you, you know you've prepared as much as you possibly can um, you don't need anyone else's help it's like hey you're ready to go you you've got this on under control and I think that's kind of what happened for me I I started with a quick stint down in the in in the ECHL and played well got called up and then I went back down to the East Coast League for a week and then the rest of the year I was up with with Belleville first year pro Mm -hmm. so um, that was a good little little learning step for me just to kind of go there and play some games and then um, go up to Belleville and and do the same thing it's just the next level but the process stays the same honestly you just try to um, to make the most of wherever you are right like you can't think about the next thing right away you gotta be present in, in the present moment and focus on and being the best you can at the level you're at so if you're in the American League you're in the ECHL even if you're in the NHL you just got to focus on you know the next shot the next game uh, whatever it is
3: and I imagine just getting ice time is important too because there's only two or three goalies on every roster and every team instead of you know six defensemen or whatever there are and so the ECHL could be you're playing right that's the important thing that you're on the ice playing
1: absolutely yeah you just you just want to get especially again like at the pro level And college is only 35 games a season and and my junior year, I started every single game. You know, that was good in terms of games. Uh, you get up to the pro level, you you need those games. There's 60, 70, 80 games a year, depending on what level you're at. And and the more games you get, the more experience you get, the better it's going to be for
3: you. Development for goalies. Goalies seem to be a little bit unique than other players. seem to take a little bit longer for goalies to get settled and, and get to the top of their game and, and develop. Why do you think that is? Is it just the nature of the position?
1: Well, I think that there's so much trust that needs to be – Needs to be, um, you know, had by the coach. I think a coach, if he doesn't trust a fourth line center that much, well, the fourth line center probably only plays seven to ten minutes a night, and so he trusts the first two, two, you know, first two or three line centers exponentially more. So he's he's going to put them out more. I think for goalies, it's really earning the trust that you can be consistent, that the coach knows what he's getting every night out of you. On the flip side of that is the goalie. You know, it takes a while to really understand how to be consistent and how to bring the same mental and and physical focus every single night that's something that doesn't come easy and takes a while so that's why you see um, you see goalies that really hit their stride in their late 20s as opposed to a lot of skaters are 22 23 24 years old and dominating the league and and obviously there are aberrations like you look at a guy like Vasilevsky he started playing in the (laughs) NHL pretty quick after he came over here and you know, he's obviously an unbelievable goalie. So that's an aberration. But for the most part, most goalies, you see them play in the NHL a lot too, before they really find their stride. Mm -hmm. Like you look at a guy like Darcy Kemper, he kind of kicked around a few different teams. And then he finally kind of gets his chance to be a starter and he's done unbelievable. And, you know, now he's one of the top goalies in the league. So even, even Groovy was kind of like that. Like he was a backup in Washington, got a chance to be a starter in Colorado. And what is he 28, 29 now?
2: 29,
1: yeah, 29. So at 29 years old, he signs his big contract. He's was uh, up for the Vesna last year. So that 28, 29, 30 year old window is really kind of when you your typical window is for for a starting goal in the NHL.
2: You know, we've talked to other guests as well that, that have said that playing goal in the AHL can be more challenging than the NHL. You've got a handful of of NHL games under your belt. Do you think that's an accurate statement? I mean, it, it might be tough to evaluate based on your sample size, but I think it's kind of an interesting statement to think about that.
1: Yeah, a lot of people say that. A lot of people say that. I think from a structure standpoint, it can be easier to play in the NHL in the sense that you have better D, you have the team is usually better structured, really kind of is, is more all on the same page, uh, as opposed to that you get the in the AHL, you have your best players are constantly getting called up you're calling up players from the East Coast League, a little harder in terms of continuity. In the NHL, every player is is the best player at their position, pretty much, right, in, in that organization. So you get, uh, you get guys that can make the right plays, that always make the right decisions, and that that definitely can make it easier from a structure standpoint. However, at the end of the day, those guys can can bring it. They can shoot, and, and when they get a good goal-scoring opportunity, they're pretty good at, at making it count. So there are truths to that, but I do think, the NHL is the best player in, in the league in the world for a reason. And, you know, last year when I was playing against McDavid and Dreisaitl, Matthews, those guys. <laughs> those guys
2: you know, any good? Yeah, they're pretty good at hockey. <laughs> we don't know. They play in Canada. We don't see them. So, uh, you know, uh, another theme that's been going around the goalie area is balancing workloads and, mm-hmm. and probably playing a lower percentage games throughout the season. Is that something you subscribe to? Is it something you, you want to play more than maybe coaches kind of want to allow you to? Or has it not reached that point because you've played relatively limited seasons because of college hockey and pandemics and stuff? So <laughs> what are your thoughts on balancing your workload?
1: That's what I was going to say is, is I've played two full seasons now professionally, and both seasons were impacted by COVID. So I haven't really had a full season. I, I think in college, my sophomore year, I played every game except for two. And my junior year, I played every single game. I'm not really going to complain to the coach, but not enough ice time for those years. <laughs> um, you know, since I've turned pro, I've, I've gotten my fair share of games. You know, I think I would have gotten more games last year if I didn't get hurt um, at the NHL level and at the AHL level um, once other guys got healthy and stuff. So, you know, I think like, I haven't really reached that point yet, but just in, in, in a general sense, I do think it's important, especially for how physical and mental the goalie position is, you know, at any level any professional level. It is it is a grind mentally. Like you play those 60 minutes and it is very taxing mentally. I think you're going to see more and more 1A, 1B type situations as as we have here in Seattle with with Groovy and Drigs and and hopefully me a little bit too. (laughs) Well yeah
2: and and, you know it's interesting last year 75% of the teams used at least three goalies in, in NHL games. And and obviously last season's not a good proxy to evaluate how the trends are going, but you can imagine that might come into play down the road where you're going to see that third goalie, even if the, somebody's not hurt, just to give one of the other guys a rest and make sure that they take a mental game off because. Probably even when you're sitting in the gear, even on the bench, you've, you've got to prepare a little bit and that has a tax on you. So I'm wondering if that's a trend that continues where we see more, you know, three goalies kind of as a, as regular goalies, maybe not one, a one B one C if you will, but rotating the third goalie. Cause it seems like people are evaluating that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it definitely seemed like the last year that for other reasons, there was a lot of goalies used
1: Yeah, well, particularly we, in Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last year we went, we used six goalies in Ottawa due to injury. Like that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a, ton but we were playing every other night you, you didn't even have time to practice really <laughs> practice was 15 minutes and get off like just, <laughs> just go sweat a little bit and see the puck and, and get off so it was, it was that last year was definitely unique I think you're going to see more and more like teams go to a 1a 1b system I, I really don't think you'll see the third goalie Um, you know in just in general too much uh, outside of injury or if you know the, the second goalie is struggling and they think the third goalie is ready from my standpoint I do think it's important to get the third goalie some games like at some point, you know, like a like a third goalie needs to be developed. A third goal is usually someone that's coming up in your organization and is hopefully going to be at the NHL level soon. So they need some games too, right? Now yeah. I haven't had like a full season of AHL hockey yet. I personally would love to start 40 games at the American League level and, you know, play ten or fifteen in Seattle. I think that's that's a perfect season for me at the end of the day. If someone gets an injury and then I end up backing up for however many games up here and I only get to start, or if I end up staying in in Charlotte the whole time, like it's such a crazy game and it happens so fast. Last mm-hmm. year, I played two games in Belleville, get called up, played eight games in Ottawa, injured, season over. Like played ten games last year, and that was that. You know, and, and I think it, it can happen so quick. You get called yeah. up NHL level and you start <laughs> winning. They're not going to dig you out of the net. <laughs> yeah, ride the hot uh, hand. And, for sure. and yeah. if you if you get called up and you don't play well, well, they're going to find someone else. That's mm-hmm. just how it is.
0: The six goalies with Ottawa. Did they ever consider dressing you all at once and putting you out on the ice at the same time? <laughs> I just I always no wondered, bad ideas. You know, no bad ideas. Tough to score. Yeah. Tough to score.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always said that if I could run the power play, I would. <laughs> so, <laughs> in college.
0: You had that assist. You had that assist against college.
1: I, uh, (laughs) I would love to. I always told my coach I would love to sit on the half wall and take one time. (laughs) I never went for it, but with your goalie stick or a player stick, I'll grab on the way down. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd be a pretty good net front guy too. Like I would know exactly how to screen the goalie
2: oh yeah that's a good that's point, really, a really <laughs> good point. <laughs> you know you said you're, you've been in town for a couple of weeks now you know last week we got to see you when the doors opened for the Kraken community iceplex were you guys um, there? Uh,
1: yeah, we were I, there? Andy and
2: I were there Darren was in a tropical island let's just put it that way so.
0: <laughs> like actually were you on vacation? yeah Yeah, I was in Hawaii Oh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> so I'm sorry I missed the grand That'd opening you. It. It was. no 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 that's, <laughs> that's unbelievable <laughs> There'll awesome. be other practices, I'm sure. Yeah, that sounds fantastic.
2: I are going see
1: enough hockey, so don't even worry about yeah. it.
2: Yeah. I've been playing beer league hockey in the area for a long time, and we have no facility even close to that. I, I love the facilities that are here. Appreciate everything that I've been playing hockey since I moved here. What do you think about that
1: facility? And have
2: you seen anything like that before?
1: That's top notch. Honestly, they, they did an unbelievable job. I skate, obviously being in Boston, uh, I skate a lot at their practice facility, and theirs is very nice. But ours is, ours is unbelievable. And it's funny because at Arizona, we, we did not have the best facilities because we don't have our own rink yet. Like the the Mm -hmm. rink is being built. We would work out at the football stadium, which was an awesome facility. The gym over there, we work out underneath the football field, which was super cool. But then the the actual rink itself was basically like a, like a town hockey rink. So it wasn't the best setup in terms of that. So now come here and and have an unbelievable setup like that. It's it's amazing. I definitely, every day I make sure I'm not uh, taking it for granted and I definitely feel pretty
2: spoiled. Yeah. We're at beer leaguers that have played there the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. We're spoiled already.
1: So, uh, <laughs> and and we don't get to see your part of the building,
2: right?
0: Uh, There's a couple of rinks in the area that are notorious for like, they resurface the ice and then the ice just stays wet the entire game. <laughs> like it just never more rise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we got, we got out there and we're like, huh. It's already dry. <laughs> yeah. like that's, that's pretty impressive. You yeah.
2: Know? Speaking of the facility, like how how important are those captain skates that you've been kind of participating in? From you know, I don't know how regularly, but just getting back together with the boys or or, or meeting a lot of the guys because. I can imagine you didn't know anybody. Maybe, I don't know if there's anybody from uh, Massachusetts that you knew, but you probably didn't know anybody out there. So how's that been kind of getting together on the ice and then kind of meeting some of the guys?
1: Well, first off, me and Chris Drieger, we spent the last two summers together in Boston, actually. Oh. like, he, Oh, wow. He, yeah. So him and I like to train together in the summer. We work out at the same gym, skate in the same group uh, all summer. So him and I are pretty good buddies. So it's been it's been really cool to, to have him here. Him and I are... are Actually, pretty close. We've been going out for dinner a lot and stuff like that. So it's been it's been really nice to have a like a like an actual buddy, uh, yeah. Someone I kind of knew come out here and be friends with already. So also, Colin Blackwell. Funny story. We are from the same town. We're both from North Andover, Massachusetts. It's funny. Oh, wow. Like during the draft, they said I was from Boston and he was from Lawrence. Neither of those are true. <laughs> <laughs> We're both from North Andover, Massachusetts. <laughs> But the even funnier part is him and I have never met before. Wow. Oh, wow. So we're from the same town, both, you know, pretty successful hockey players. And, and we've never a met. Similar before. age too, right? That's so my amazing. first day, we we ran into each other and we introduced ourselves. and We were like, dude, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so him and I were able to catch up. And, uh, and yeah, it was obviously really nice to have Chris here and meet Blackie as well. It's been cool. And then... Um, yeah. Just meeting everyone and kind of getting into the flow of things. Like I usually try to get to camp a few weeks early um, just to get settled. Like it, it does, when you move, it does take a little while to get settled in, just kind of get comfortable. And especially in a new season, new team ev- and everything's new, right? Like all the staff, even in, you know, in the weight room, the training room, equipment room, like, you don't know, anybody, <laughs> you just yeah. kind of, you have, you have a phone number pretty much. So <laughs> just kind of going through that whole process. It's, it's been really nice. And the captain skates are great just just to kind of get the timing down of, of the NHL shots. It's something you can't really you can't really recreate in the summer. Like I said, I skate over with the Bruins a little bit and some of the other Boston area guys just to be like with a full ice sheet of, of NHL level players is, has been really good. And I feel like you know, I felt kind of early this week. I felt like, OK, I got my timing back. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I can't wait for camp to start. And,
3: and your dad played professional hockey. And, and uh, we understand he wrote a book about being a goalie parent. Uh, yeah. What, what kind of influence has he had on your game and and just as you navigate through your hockey career here?
1: He's had a, a massive impact. He's, you know, been my my role model growing up and he's kind of the one that brought me into hockey and he's been guiding me through this journey for ever since I can remember they my parents brought me to the rink for the first time when i was you know a week old with hockey in my blood my entire life so i'm incredibly grateful to him and my mom both my parents have been been absolutely amazing and extremely supportive and and just to you know have a, an nhl level goalie coach in the house just to watch <laughs> hockey with kind of take me through this entire journey I've been on with hockey has been unbelievable I I don't think I really realized how lucky I was I don't think I ever understood that not everyone has a goalie coach as a dad (laughs) until you know I was probably 18 or 19 years old I just always was like oh yeah my dad's a goalie coach what do you talk about in the car (laughs) Uh, we talk about playing goalie that's about it Um, so yeah it's uh it's been pretty cool and he's had an incredibly successful career as well so uh, be able to share that share this whole experience with him has been incredible
3: and i'm sure we have we have a lot of uh goalie parents that listen in and i'm sure darren's parents are listening in is there any uh are there any pieces of wisdom from the book that you can share with us for those parents i just read the forward that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> guess who wrote
1: it as written by by you and guess your who brother, wrote it yeah yeah a lot of good yeah. wisdom yeah. In no that, that book actually. uh that book's something he's been Very working cool. on for a while he's been incredibly passionate about it and, and honestly i think I just no better person to write it. He's worked in every single goalie position that you can work in in hockey. He's been a goalie coach, goalie scout. He's worked in the front office as a director of goalie operations. He's done everything. And on top of it, he's got two kids himself that are goalies. So if there's anyone that's qualified to write that book, it's, it's him.
0: Okay, so I think this is a good transition then. And we alluded to it sort of at the beginning of our conversation here. But I'd love for you, Joey, to tell me when I get into these slumps, <laughs> right, playing goalie, I know it's all mental, right? And I'm sure you, you've you been through some of this stuff over the years, too, and you probably have some better coping mechanisms than I do, right? Like, there's these times when I go in and I'm like, I'm feeling great, right? Like, I'm going to have a really good game tonight. I get out there and I can't stop a damn shot. Like, the puck is just going through me. Like, what is that? What's what's happening to me in those moments? And then those tend to snowball, right? Like, once you have one of those nights, the next one's like that, the next one's like that, and then you can't, you can't snap out of it. At least I can't. What is happening in my brain? Why does that happen? Talent? How do we get out well, of it? First That's off, I going to how dare you You sound like a you?
1: like a like a number 3 hitter in baseball who just can't buy a hit. That's what it sounds like.
0: That's what it feels yeah. like, yeah.
1: I could give you a PG answer and an R answer, but I'm going to stick with the PG answer. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I think for me, I, that stuff, it's so easy to for anybody to to fall into something like that. For me, honestly, I my mentality is just always focusing on making the next save. If you play to not get scored on, you're going to get scored on. If you play to make saves, you're going to make saves. So if you play not to lose... You're probably gonna lose, right? Because you're gonna play a little more defensive. If you play to win, right, it's it's all a a little just a little adjustment in the mindset, right? If you as a hitter go up in a baseball game and you think, I can't make an out, I can't make an out, I can't make an out, what are you gonna do? Right. If you get up there and you're like, hey, I'm gonna crush this ball, I'm gonna hit it dead center of the bat, you know, I'm gonna hit it as hard as I can, and whatever happens, gonna happen, then you're probably gonna make good contact, you're probably gonna make a better swing. So for me, when I'm in net, like I know I'm a good goalie. I usually for each game depending on how I'm feeling how the last game went and and what's been working for me. I'll have three things that I'm repeating to myself all game, you know? So just for example, one of them will be, you know, get your feet set. So make sure you're not moving when the guy's shooting, just look at the puck. I'll just tell myself, Hey, like just glue your eyes to the puck. And all of a sudden, like when you, when you focus on looking at the puck, the puck just gets bigger and it seems slower and your eyes are just glued on the puck. And third one will be like, Hey, like stay in the moment, something like that. Like, and so then I'll have, Three things that I'm thinking about all game. So it's hey, if you get scored on, if you make the save, doesn't matter. Like next shot, you're going to focus on having your feet set before the guy shoots. Once he shoots, you're going to have your eyes dialed on the puck, and then you're just going to have fun and stay in the moment. So that's kind of an easy way. I think anything more than three things is a lot to think about.
0: That's really interesting. I've always tried to do anything I can to just turn my brain off when I'm playing because I, uh, <laughs> and that might sound stupid, but that's true. Like as soon as I start thinking about the situation of the game or what's happening or oh I'm playing well or oh I'm really playing like crap, like that's when I start giving up goals. Is when I really start to like actually be aware of what's happening in the game itself.
1: Well, and and when you when you have three things to fall back on, that's kind of your your coping mechanism. So let's say. Once you kind of you start in your game, you get in your zone, you get in your state of flow, right? There's a lot of talk about getting in in your state of flow these days. So once you're, once you're in your state of flow, then you kind of hit that point where the puck drops. And right away, you're like, okay, I'm going to have my feet set. I'm going to have my eyes in the puck. And stay in the moment, right? And one, two, three, you repeat those three, four times. Next thing you know, your brain's clear. And then you make a save, you make another save, puck goes out of play. You're standing there, you're like, oh, that was a pretty good save. You start thinking, <laughs> hope, I make, hope, I make, hope I make the next one. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here comes their best player onto the ice. And then you're like, nope, clear it out. You know, I'm going to get my feet set. I'm going to keep my eyes in the puck and I'm gonna you know whatever it is and then that's kind of what you think about so when you think about those those three things that's just what I do personally um, a lot of guys they a lot of guys like sing to themselves a lot of guys count I know guys that do play-by-play when the puck's in the other end <laughs> <No way. laughs> like puck goes the other end then, okay puck goes from the corner up to the half all up to the point over d to d shoots goal, makes a save like whatever there's guys there is a million different things and for me I think for me, having three things to focus on is really what's best for me. And then what happens is I eventually don't even think about that. My mind gets in the in the zone, in that state of flow, and then my brain's just clear. And then as soon as any negative doubt, negative thoughts creep in, you're right back to okay, you know, flush that out of your mind. You're gonna think about getting your feet. You know, one, two, three. Um, so that's probably the best advice I could give on that.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, I, you might have just <laughs> saved my career. So now I might make the NHL. I might even
2: start playing goalie because of that. I was like, honestly, it was like intense
0: for me. I was like, okay, yeah. Okay. All right.
2: Let's go. Anyway, I'll keep going for you.
0: Yeah. How much do you rely on uh, superstitions and routines and things like that? Do you have any of that in your in your game that you have to, I don't know, hit the post a certain number of times or skate? You well, know, I think
1: um, things like that. when I was growing up, especially like high school and even into junior a little bit, I used to be very superstitious. And I think that that had a negative effect on my, my mental side of the game and my psyche. I really don't think it was beneficial for me in any way whatsoever. You know, let's say in my pregame warmup, I like to do A, B, and C. If I do it B, A, C, it's like, Oh, I did it out of order. (laughs) I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. It's like the coach started the meeting five minutes early. So you had to finish after like whatever it could be like. So now I kind of switched from superstitions to routines. I just kind of switched my mindset a little bit on it so that realistically, it's more of the same stuff. But I've convinced myself that if I drink blue gatorade instead of yellow gatorade i'm not gonna suck tonight like it's not gonna be the reason why i can't stop a puck you know it's gonna be because i'm not that good at it anyway Uh, you know i think uh i I think for me i've really switched it i've switched my mentality and my attitude towards it on just having routines hey like i like to do a b and c before the game but if i do it C doesn't go that great well hey you're still, you're still a good goalie. Like it's not going to be the reason you're not, you know, you, you can't play well tonight. Like you can still go out and play well tonight. So I think that's, that's kind of been a big mental shift and that's helped me a lot.
3: That, that probably helps when you find out midway through warmups that you're going to start against the Maple Leafs. That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. You're not in the middle of your superstition when you find out <laughs> Yeah. routine. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So I, I think it, it definitely does help a lot, but at the end of the day, I always tell myself that it's going to come off weird, but nobody cares. So nobody cares if your girlfriend broke up with you or you got to the rink 10 minutes late because there was traffic on the way to the game or your favorite piece of tape wasn't there or whatever. (laughs) No one cares. No one cares that I found out halfway through warmups I was going to play. At the end of the day, you are going to get evaluated based on your performance and you have to do a job. And I think for me, like when I played that game and I came in, I didn't even come in. I just found out halfway through (laughs) warmups that I was going to be starting like, I was like, okay, no one cares. You have to find a way to be successful and win this hockey game. Like that's all anyone cares about is if you can win this game tonight, you know, no one's going to make excuses for you. So for me, that's kind of I can I, I've worked a lot. I've worked very hard on the mental side of it, of, of being able to get myself going and not take no for an answer and, and just not make excuses for myself and just make it happen. I think that's that's a perfect example of difference between superstitions and
0: routines right there. Fascinating stuff. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. I have one last uh, very important topic to touch on here, uh, which is. You did post some pictures of a new mask the other day, and it's pretty freaking sweet. I got to say, like, I'm I'm a tough judge of masks, and this one was awesome. So, well done on that. Walk us through it a little bit, if, if you wouldn't mind.
1: I only got it this week, so I don't okay. even know all of it yet. So, my mask painter, uh, his name is Shifty. He is a stud, and he actually... If you guys ever need a podcast uh, guest, he he loves coming on talking about gear and masks and stuff. So. Oh boy, <laughs> Jesus. that's those all those. we
2: need—more goalie gear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I just remember he went on a few Ottawa podcasts to talk about my masks. Oh, cool. Um, we'll get him on.
2: For yeah. Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, like usually for my masks. When I was younger, I used to basically be like a drill sergeant and be like, "Hey, I want X, Y, and Z one, two, and three place, and I want it to be this color and that, whatever." And then kind of what I realized is, you know, and it's not a knock against them, but mask painters, they're artists too. Like they want to be able to put their own spin on things and let their creativity kind of come out. So as uh, Shifty and I's relationship has really developed, like I only started using him my junior year of college. So this will be his fourth or fifth mask that he's done for me. I usually kind of give him an idea of what I'm thinking, and then I just kind of let him I let him go. And then I usually have to reel him back in.
3: <laughs> I'm like, okay,
1: that's good. That's good. That's good. I was like, no dice on that. So uh, funny enough, like he was pumped that I got drafted by Seattle. Cause he's like, oh, I got so many ideas. He's like, <laughs> first thing he says to me is he's, he's like, we're doing Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. And first thing I said was no chance. Uh, I was a kid when I was a kid, and like watching, like I, I watched all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I hated that guy. He scared the living <laughs> Jesus out of me. So I'm like, I don't want to put on a mask that I'm scared of. He's too he's yeah. so, Way too I mean, He kind of did it anyways. Just it wasn't exactly Davy Jones. And, and I don't know if Dreech has posted his mask yet, but he's got, mask, Davy, yeah. he's got That's Davy. He's got Davy Jones yeah. on there. His path, by
3: the way, unbelievable. We saw the pads today.
0: Breaking news. Yeah, we have not seen his, his mask yet. All right, let's go through the mask here. So on the one side, we just had the, basically this big scene, which
1: is just the Kraken, and he's basically devouring a ship. And just like his tentacles are just crushing that thing. And, you know, <laughs> it's in a big storm with winds and waves flying around and lightning and then... I don't know if you guys could find them, but there's kind of a, in all my masks, I do a little Where's Waldo in terms of, <laughs> I put the ASU mascot Sparky. My last mask, he was on, like, there was like a kind of like a fighting senator on, on the top of the mask, and he was hidden in like that scene. Um, <laughs> wow. And then in this mask, he's, if you're listening to this and you haven't been able to find Sparky, um, <laughs> he is on the right side of the mask. So like the side with the, the big Kraken, and he is kind of on an angle so you have to turn your phone on the side kind of like that um, oh yeah he's hiding in there <laughs>
2: uh, this is great for podcasting by the way yeah <laughs>
3: well yeah
1: but the funny thing is like i had a lot of like, so like when i posted on my instagram I, I put hashtag find sparky and i had a bunch of people say they couldn't find them uh-huh. uh, that's kind of why I, i'm um, oh, wow. announcing cool. it to you guys so then yeah the, <laughs> the chin is basically just a big anchor with 35 in the front i've always been number 35 and i i couldn't have it in ottawa so i'm super pumped to have that back okay. <laughs> cool. um, that's the, that,
3: of, that's the beauty of joining a team that doesn't have any other players, right? Correct.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I got when I got drafted, I was just hoping none of the other goalies were 35. And then a little side note is that 35 is actually in the ASU font. So then on the left side is like the Seattle Kraken written lettering. And the cool part about that is if you look inside the Kraken is the, the Seattle skyline is kind of Put into the lettering, which is which is really uh, really cool. There, you can see the Space Needle and stuff. So that's cool. cool. And then on top, on that left side, there's kind of the the S logo. And that S logo is basically, it's kind of like a river almost. It's like basically like if it was a river or a a lake was like frozen over and it was just like stamped. The S was kind of like stamped into it and it was made out of water. And then that's why you can kind of see the ice coming off the sides. The back plate.
0: What's, yeah, I was just going to say what's on the back plate. Yeah, I didn't, I don't don't
1: think I put it on my Instagram, but the back plate is um, my three nationalities. So my dad's from Canada, my mom's from Switzerland, and then I was born in, in the States. So I have a Swiss flag, Canadian flag, American flag, and then I have a a pitchfork on the right side, which is the ASU logo. And then on the left side, I have the House Stark sigil, which is from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's basically myself, my brother, my best friend. We are uh, we consider ourselves to be House Stark, which basically means we're <laughs> family. So we actually all have these, uh you guys can see, but Little chains, uh, that Oh are- yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice.
3: That's cool. We all wear
1: those. Man, so I don't, I don't,
3: yeah. I don't think I would have ever found that star- that Sparky without you telling us Might
0: where have. it was. <laughs> I would have yeah, for that every time.
3: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well,
0: oh, thank you also for walking us through that. So now, also, we saw the other day you are still wearing some black and red True gear. Are you like what's in the what's in the world? Well, I, th-
1: I figured it would look really good to wear red and black all year. So cool. That's what I'm yeah. Doing.
0: yeah, it makes
2: sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, my uh, my stuff's ordered. I can give you guys, I'll give you guys a sneak peek if you want. Cool. Again, great for podcasting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you,
3: you know yeah. what though? Our fans, we have a regular <laughs> segment called Goal <laughs> Gear Corner where we talk about it. Fans love it. They okay. can't see it. <laughs> we that's talk about awesome.
1: It. Honestly, I think due to COVID, all the factories are backed up. So yeah. it's, it's taken a while for all the gear to, to be made this year. So, you know, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And I'm just looking forward to it's finally getting here. It should be any day now, so. I'm really looking forward to that. Let's There we go. That's it right there. So I'll kind of give you guys a little sneak peek. Oh, those are good. Ooh, yeah. Huh? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Those are awesome. All right, so you're sticking with True then is what we're seeing. Not that far off from what uh, Grubby's wearing, but his are more of like white with some dark accents, yeah, yours are more much, dark yeah. with some light yeah. accents. I know before you're with uh you used CCM Correct. like in college, right? And are you more brand loyal to like Lefave, would you well, say?
1: Well, so yeah, so Lefave made CCM and then when Lefave moved over to True, I just moved over with them. As did almost everyone.
0: And so what is that? Like, what is it about Lefave that makes their... Well,
1: it's not necessarily that it's better. Like, I personally think it is. But at the same time, it's just a feel thing I, for a lot of goalies and myself. When I tried on the CCM gear that wasn't made by Lefave, just didn't feel the same. Like, I put my hand in the glove. It just didn't feel... The same right and then i put on a true glove and made by lefave and it felt exactly like my old glove it's funny how guys are like a lot of guys are like that too where they want what they've had that they've liked the feeling of it and that it's worked for them like there's still a bauer stick that bauer doesn't make anymore that i wish i could use today <laughs> but bauer doesn't make it so i use warrior because i couldn't find the right bauer stick that felt like my old stick and warrior so far has given me the closest feeling to that stick. But if I could get a hundred sticks of that stick, and I think it was a stick I used my junior year of college, just to borrow a one S stick. Like if I could
0: get a hundred of those made and use those for the next couple of years, I, I would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Last topic. Will you please explain the sickos thing to us from Ottawa? Cause I never send
1: sickos. The sense sickos <laughs> were basically, I, I remember I like, I had to like Wikipedia it at one point during the year (laughs) basically it was like a way to like make fun of like themselves about like not having the best record and like use it to like make fun of the leafs i think (laughs) correct and then the kind of the team like jumped on the whole bandwagon and then management kind of jumped on the bandwagon and we got (laughs) the coaching staff and the players and then the fans and it just kind of like took off i forget if i'm saying that correct i think that's what it was i remember looking it up like during the year last year so i was well versed on the topic, if I had been asked about it at then at that time,
2: <laughs> it kind of morphed over a couple of years because last yeah. it was a couple of years ago, it was like it kind of being so bad. You like the chaos; it's like watching a train wreck kind of thing, and then and then it morphed into <laughs> be like we're so into our team, but we're, no disrespect to the, the good name of the Ottawa senators, but like the team is, is such a train wreck. We're psychopaths for watching it kind of. And then when the, they would beat the Leafs, when you guys would beat the Leafs and you're in your first win, you know, it was almost like our team is so bad and we still beat you type thing. So, but it, it, it's more of a cult kind of classic with the fan base. And pr- it was pretty cool to see that last year kind of take off, but it's actually been going on for a couple of years now.
1: Yeah. I mean, if i if I'm being totally honest, I really did like it there and they treated me really well so it was a bit bittersweet but you know having said that even just being here for two weeks now like it is sick here it is yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bittersweet a lot a lot you know because of all the friendships i had and the the relationships form with all the people and all the staff but like at the same time i could not be more excited to be here so i'm, I'm really pumped up and ready to go
3: what was that day like for you that that expansion draft day oh it was nuts
1: <laughs> well i, I think because it, it was definitely a possibility all summer like we you know, circled that date on the calendar as a family <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we were like hey who knows right then to eventually have that day come like you talk about it and you joke about it and you're like oh yeah i'm gonna get drafted the expansion draft whatever and then yeah. like for it to actually happen, it's like, whoa, holy smokes. Okay. Like, it, cause it's a big, it's a big life change, right? Like huge adjustment. Disruptive. And um, yeah. I, I played eight or nine games for Ottawa, like, but they drafted me in 2015. Yeah. Right. So, like, I've been going <laughs> to development camps. I knew the strength coaches, the training staff, most of management for six, six and a half years and, and they were, you know, basically in charge of developing me and I was in constant contact with them when I was in college and junior and all the way up. So, you know, I only played nine games for them, but I felt like I played there for six years. Uh, so <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: That's why it was definitely a little bit bittersweet, but like I said, couldn't be more excited to be here.
0: Well, I think we should probably end it on that because that's uh that's pretty cool stuff. Man, Joey, I, we are all very much pulling for you. This has been such a fun interview. You've been very, very gracious with your time. So thanks so much for doing this. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I had a blast. Always always down to come hang out with you guys. So let me know when you <laughs> need me again. Thank you again, Joey, for the time. Uh, we told the Kraken that we wanted to talk to him for like 20 to 30 minutes. And then we got into the conversation and it just uh, it just kept rolling. And it was fun and it was enjoyable. And he seemed like he was having a good time, too. So We just kind of kept on going, and uh, that was what we got. I especially loved the conversation about what he's doing mentally during games, and uh, it actually helped my game a little bit, I think. So uh, cool stuff there. Thank you again, Joey, for joining us. Thank you again to the Kraken for uh, letting us talk to him. And thank you all for listening. We will be back in just a few days for episode 155. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will read it on that next episode. Talk to you all soon. Cheers.